Hello, everyone. We're back with another episode of LMS Cast. Today, we're talking about tips for pr- improving online learners' engagement. And uh, this is an actually a blog post that I found by Sharon Thompson. And uh, Sharon is a writer in the e-learning LMS space. She has a lot of great articles out there. Um, you can find a lot of her stuff at elearningindustry.com. Um, and if you go to uh, infusion, I'm sorry, lmscast.com slash engagement, I will put a link to her direct article that we're going over today in today's episode. Um, so Chris, why don't you start it off? Let's go through some of these bullets and uh, let's give our feedback on them. Get some perspective. Sure. Well, the first one is removing excess image text and graphics. So in my mind, uh, you know, the, learn, the space you hold for somebody to learn, if you think about a traditional c- classroom when you're growing up, the teacher is always trying to remove distraction, whether that's uh, chatty friends, cell phones, beeping, texting, yeah. uh, closes the window, somebody's like being crazy outside. So <clears throat> just removing distraction is an important part of learning. And on a website, that's extra images, text, and graphics. And I think graphics especially, and images, if they don't hold direct educational value, they shouldn't be there. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's it's all about focus. And I mean, you know, in terms of design, even just visual design, like white space is important to make sure yeah. that the eye is attracted to the uh, the various areas of the site that you want it to be attracted to. And so with learning, that would be the content that's necessary to be learned. So let's not, yeah. let's not try and remove people's uh, focus from that to something that doesn't matter or is lower priority. So a, great, a great thing that just popped into my head is when you think about the traditional whiteboard or chalkboard or whatever, you don't walk into the classroom and it's completely full and there's stuff, there's images on it. Like you start learning, you take it one concept at a time, and then at the end it's full. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like how we learn. Right, right. Well, and the next one too is like choosing the right fonts. Like that's yeah. something that I don't think anyone takes any time to think about at all. Um, and I've always been told that, you know, the best way to do it is have a sans serif font for headlines and section headers and that sort of thing and have a uh, serif font for the body for readability. So I don't know. I think it's flipped. Is it flipped? The, the, uh, the serif is the little foot uh, on the, the characters. And I think the uh, sans serif without the foot uh, – in the body makes it the most readable. Like Got Open it. Sans is a uh, is a really popular body content font today, um, as was like Helvetica was a little bit ago and things like that because they don't have any distractions. It's just just the letter, just the letter. Yeah, I mean, so so but <laughs> taking the time to to figure out what font you're going to use and then um, making sure that it's not a distracting like papyrus font, <laughs> yeah. you know, is really really important. Um, yeah, and if you anchor it into the past, like traditional education, I'm sure everybody at some point had a teacher with really sloppy handwriting. It's really distracting and interrupts the learning experience when you can't read, or at least easily read, what's on the board. Right. Yeah. The next one's choose the right colors. I think that this is a pretty easy one. I mean, you don't want to have like colors that a are hard to read and b distracting, like neon greens and things. I mean, it's. Yeah. It sounds basic, but it's things that people don't consider. They just when they're putting their content in, um, you know, 
Call Absolutely. me old fashioned, but black and white works pretty good. <laughs> and, and I just, I always try to steer a little bit of a conversation towards gray. Do you, there are so many shades of gray between black and white that can do amazing things just by playing with the spectrum of gray. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're going to be using images and video, which are going to have color in them, uh, you don't want the text to be competing with the images and, and the, when the video is playing, you don't want this like flashy, colorful thing over here too. Right. Exactly. No, that's exactly true. Yep. Um, choose high quality and relevant images. I always hated it when I was in school and the, the professor thought it was fun to be kitschy and like throw in some ridiculous like comic or, or something that like, it, I don't know. It just was like, didn't really fit with where we were going just to like, almost like he needed to take a break. Like, just keep people in it, you know? And, and I think, um, there's a marketing blog that I follow called uh, video fruit and Brian Harris does a lot of different images to support his content. And those images are always relevant. They're never taking you out of the content. They're always, you know, he's making a point. There's an image, maybe it's a graphic of something to drive home the point. But the point is it's all the same. It's all pushing the same idea. And I think that that's really, really important. Absolutely. And it's like, I think one of the things that people do sometimes, especially if they're not really graphically uh, or visually design inclined, uh, is they'll, you'll hear people say in, web, in the web design world, if I hear somebody say the word clip art, for me, that's like a serious, that's a serious red flag. Like you don't yeah. want to have clip art show up in your educational uh, content. It, it needs to be high quality stuff that supports the learning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Oh, wow, I didn't even read the uh, the next two, but easy navigation of online learning material. Well, that is that is good um, because I think that's the thing is like you want to make sure when it's time to take a quiz that that button or whatever is easily accessible when it's time to progress to the next um, lesson or section or whatever, it, that's also easily uh, found. That's actually one of my biggest bones to pick with like the, the, the old school like Blackboard and some of the old school um, learning management systems that have, have just basically been around for like the last five to ten years. They're hard to navigate, man. You're like, yeah. you get through one lesson, you're like, well, what do I do next? You know, and, uh, and I think so there's a huge opportunity for usability in, in the learning management space. And I think it's important for people to keep that in mind, you know, um, you know, you're online like yeah so there's an infinite amount of distractions and they're all a click away so don't give anyone a reason to get distracted just make it easy for them to get through your content absolutely and we talked about in an earlier episode about learning styles some people learn better by jumping around or starting at the end and working backwards and if you're your course is set up where that's okay mm-hmm. as an option i mean people need to easily see what they've already completed or not, or like where they left off, you know, all these things are a really important part of navigation and user experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the next one goes with what I was talking about earlier. It's number six, supporting complex information with graphics and charts. Um, absolutely. I mean, that goes back to learning styles. Some people are visual, audio, audio kinesthetic. You want to make sure you're giving them the ability to learn the way that they learn and to do that, adding graphs and charts to help make a visual representation of the content is talk that's being talked about is so crucial. And, um, yeah, yeah I think, I think that's a philosophical thing. Uh, 
in sales or teaching or whatever. It's like show, don't tell. So, I mean, of course, you can tell and teach the concept and things like that. But when you show a chart, you know, based on the data that supports your argument, your teaching and your concept delivery just gets a lot stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, the next one, blurring background in the images. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. What's your thoughts on that? I think it just comes down to focus again so that if uh, you are going to bring an image into the, the learning material or into the conversation, whatever's in the background of that image, if it's not relevant, blur it out. I mean, don't like cut it out, cut out like the person's head or, uh, you know, whatever it is you're displaying in the image. Uh, but if you blur the background, you kind of retain that focus on only the important part in the image. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It all comes back to focus for sure. Um, using heading bullet points and proper structuring. Man, this is a huge one for me. I can't stand it when I get involved in, in some sort of education. It's just a brick of text that's all the same font size and there's no formatting at all. Because yeah. it's a, it's a, your eye fatigues, man, and you're just like, you can't even get through it. You're just like, I don't even want to read anymore. Like, this is horrible, you know? And so take the time to put headings, bullet points, sections. Like, it makes a world of difference, and it's not, like, hard, you know? Absolutely. And I think as time goes on and generations and attention spans are getting smaller, that it's really important to do that just because people have this skill because the internet and humans didn't used to be like this where they can just scan stuff. <laughs> like we can scan web pages and things, glean information really quickly without reading the entire thing. Right. That's not how it used to be. Like you had to read the whole book or, you know, you couldn't really scan a book, but we're developing as a as a global culture, the ability to really scan. So it, in order to do that, people need headings and bullet points mixed in with the paragraphs and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, use proofing tools. I mean, I think that that would be something fairly simple, like spelling, spell checking and that sort of thing. But using tools to make sure that everything is is set up correctly, you know. I think it's just distracting in the learning environment when somebody, when you keep coming across consistent errors like a lack of a space, no period, spelling errors, it can, it can you know, distract the student. Yeah, let me, uh, you know, let me just breeze over what she said in this section here. Yeah. Oh, she's talking about a, a service called Proof Hub. That's interesting, where e-learning designers can quickly and conveniently get e-learning design feedback from distant located tours, distantly located tutors. Um, that's interesting. So she's actually not talking about spelling or anything like that, but she's talking about getting feedback on the way that a course is designed through this service. Um, and so the design of your course, that's really cool. I think that that's important. Yeah, I mean, when you get feedback on your course or your the way that you've designed your course prior to launching it or prior to putting it into a curriculum. Um, that's huge. That's a really good, good feedback. I'm glad I read that one. Um, number 10, consistency and cohesiveness in learning materials. And uh, that is big time. Again, you mm -hmm. don't want to have like all these different sorts of fonts, all these different sorts of colors. Just make it easy to read, easy to get through. And uh I think it's really going to help people out. So, yeah, if it's a 
like consistency and everything, you could just like grab all this material from all over the web to put together and make your learning, but you haven't you've you've done the first step of curation, but you haven't really done the second step, which is you know making it a little more consistent. Otherwise, it's kind of like a scrapbook mm-hmm. or a collage. Whereas once you have all the best material around your topic, you know, you can really curate it and create a system that people can go through, get used to, and uh, get comfortable inside of so that they can achieve the desired learning objective. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think this is a great, great starting point for engagement. We've talked a lot about engagement using technology in previous episodes, and I'm sure episodes to come. So um, any closing thoughts, Chris, on engagement? Yeah, I would say engagement is just one of those big things in the e-learning WordPress LMS space is evolving a lot right now. And we're really focusing in on that engagement piece, which can be done with technology. <clears throat> so we have these you know, achievements and gamification and automated emails, just things that can be set up. But this, what we're talking about in this podcast is more about the visual and the experience is so important to engagement too that when you marry those two together when you get the techno technology tools with like the design and the you know whether that's the website or the instructional design like we mentioned in the last point you're building a really that's the big opportunity for online education Mm -hmm. absolutely i think i think it's the the cutting edge right here is how do we set up automated and personal engagement to make the online classroom much more like the in-person classroom. So, Or even better. Or even better. Or even better. better. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, Sharon, if you're out there, thank you for writing this article. It's been fun to talk over it and uh, give our feedback from being WordPress LMS guys. But uh, hopefully you can leave us a comment and give us your thoughts and uh, maybe even have you on the show. So anyone who is out there, You can find this article at lmscast.com slash engagement. All right, we'll see you next week.